This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Remember, bet now from anywhere. Going to kick things off with my top three list. These are the top three candidates to be hired as the Penguins' new general manager. Number one, Kyle Dubas, currently Toronto's GM. Number two, Stan Bowman, the ex-Chicago GM, Scotty's kid. Won three cups with the Blackhawks. And number three, Matthew Darsh, the director of hockey ops at Tampa. He's second in command. And let me add a number four. Anybody who didn't used to be a blogger. In all seriousness, you can't bring in some no-name, up-and-coming GM wannabe who's second, third, fourth in command somewhere else, you can't bring in that guy and make him Mike Sullivan's boss and Crosby's boss too, like the guy from Carolina, Tulski. And you can't hire an underqualified woman to prove a point, to be progressive. You hear the names, Haley Wickenheiser, Cameron Granado, Alexandra Mandricki uh, from Seattle. I'm not saying these aren't good hockey people. I'm just saying this is a really difficult job, and you got to do better than just saying, hey, look at what we did. As far as who's going to get it, if you made me predict now, I would say Darsh if he wants the job. Because Dubas, I think, is using the Penguins as leverage to get more money to stay in Toronto, and Stan Bowman still got the sex scandal thing hanging over his head that made him resign from Chicago. It was on his watch when they had the thing with the video coach and the 18-year-old prospect, and uh, I don't know when he's going to get out from under that as far as the NHL or public perception goes. Uh, Let's welcome now my co-host. He is Tom Offerman. Uh, Tom, I want to jump to football before we talk about the Penguins. Uh, The word as we go on Mike today is that the Steelers have acquired wide receiver Allen Robinson from the LA Rams. Uh, He's owed 15 mil guaranteed, but apparently the Rams have already paid five of that. They would reportedly pick up another fraction of the 10 million he's owed. He just had surgery. He's got a screw in his foot. He's 29, never really quite caught on in LA. He was a preferred target of our own Mitch Trubisky in Chicago Uh, And he has played a lot of slot. Assuming he's healthy, what's your take on that move and and the cost? We still don't know what's going back to L.A. I can't imagine it would be higher than a sixth-round pick, maybe fifth at at tops. 
I would hope it's one of their two seventh-round picks that they have this year, going back to L.A. That's pretty much the capital that I'd be willing to sacrifice for Allen Robinson. I think it's low risk and minimal reward, but you don't need it to be high reward because you don't need him to be a wide receiver one. You need him to be a wide receiver three and fill that slot role, which you said he can. And be a veteran. And be a veteran presence. He's been a number one before in Chicago. Had two years back-to-back where he had over 1,000 yards, had over 100 catches one year in Chicago, had 14 touchdowns one season in Jacksonville. So he's got that experience of being a number one, but doesn't have to be that number one anymore. His health is a risk, though. He's missed 13 games in the past two years. So like, it's not a guarantee that he passes this physical with flying colors. Also, the cost, money-wise, I saw a Schefter tweet. He's guaranteed $15 million this year. The Rams have already paid $5 million of that. So at the most, the Steelers are going to be paying $10 million oh, and, for and, him. and it's reported as well that, that the Rams are going to pick up another fraction of the $10 million, Well, there so. you go. So it's very cheap, too. Yeah, it, it, seems, it seems like a good move. Let's see. You know how many screws he's got in his foot. Let's right. see. You know what they are indeed giving in return. I don't rule out them drafting a wide receiver still, though. Oh no! If they if they get Robinson, I rule out them you drafting do? a wide receiver. Absolutely. See, I still I don't want to just anoint him as the slot wide receiver number three, especially after the couple years he's had with injuries and not being that productive. You still got Kenny the Kangaroo. What's his name? Calvin Austin. <laughs> Calvin Austin. You're right. Of course. How could I be so stupid? He should be anointed as wide receiver three. He should be anointed as uh, you have to be taller than him to get on the big <laughs> kids' rides. Uh, Okay, the rumor is the Steelers are going to trade up in the draft to number nine. They would get that pick from Chicago, but but after that, the reports conflict. Some people say that they'd want to take Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia. Some say Paris Johnson Jr., the left tackle from Ohio State. Uh, who should they take? If they trade up and it's those two, yep. they should take Paris Johnson Jr., Jalen Carter might end up in the long run being a better player overall than Paris Johnson Jr., but Paris Johnson Jr. is going to be a better player for what the Steelers need for their team moving forward. I, I mostly agree with that. I think Carter is explosive. Yes. I think he's going to you know, be more noticeable wherever he plays as a rookie in the NFL, but the Steelers do need Johnson more. And Johnson is also an investment in Pickett, and every move made should be made to score more points and or benefit Pickett. Really, they're one and the same. That's exactly it. Like, I get the attractiveness of having an heir apparent to Cam Hayward, and you can have a couple years of Hayward and Jalen Carter together, and let's just keep pounding down a Steeler football defense, and we're the best defense in the NFL, and that's just not how you win anymore. So they got to start making moves for the offense and scoring well, more yeah, points. Well, yeah, Tom, but they might think the way you're accurately saying they might think because it's like Colin Coward said, there's certain teams in the league that don't get offense. And that's the Steelers, that's Tomlin, and that's because they they think defense means too much. I mean, don't get me wrong. Carter would make a real good defense even better and more exciting, but at some point you have to outscore Joe Burrow. At some point you have to outscore Patrick Mahomes – I'm not sure Carter makes you do that. And, you know, I put forth that argument on Twitter, and people were saying, well, what about takeaways? You can never predict an oh, uptick yeah. in takeaways. Those are not quite random, but not far from it. No, absolutely. I mean, just look at what happened with the Steelers. Three years ago, leading the, leagues in ta- leading the league in takeaways. Then two years ago, they were towards the bottom of the league in takeaways, and everybody was kind of counting on that heading into the next season. Like, well, that's the one place that the defense will always be ahead of the curve as they take the ball away. But you're right, that's so random. I mean, 
Twice this past year, Mark, T.J. Watt jumped up and snatched Joe Burrow's ball out of the air in a millisecond's time. Like, that's a lot of skill, but it's also pretty lucky for him to do that as well, and there's an element of randomness to it, so you can't just rely on the takeaways. If they do trade up and take Jalen Carter, I don't know how you could label that as a mistake, because I do think he'd pan out as a great player, but you kind of have to label it as a mistake if the offense can't outscore Joe Burrow. Well, you draft guys to win more games, not to make your defense great and right. exciting and steel curtain and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, you're trying to win more games. Uh, now, Carter was involved in a car accident that killed a teammate. Uh, would that raise any heat in Pittsburgh, or once he puts that black and gold on, is he pretty much forgiven for everything that happened prior? Yeah, I think that's pretty much, you can apply that to a lot of other cities as well, with the kind of prospect and talent that he is. Maybe that comes back on the back end, though, if he starts to not pan out. And people are like, well, get rid of this guy. He's a scumbag off the field, too, and he got his teammate killed. But, yeah, that'll be forgiven from the night he's drafted until it's pretty much determined that he can't hack it in the NFL, which I don't think will ever happen because I think he's a marvelous prospect and he's going to be a great player wherever he lands. I don't think it's a guarantee that he's there at 9, though. Like, I, like if you trade up thinking well, no, he, it's between Carter and... He dropped from his right. original projection because of the, the car accident. Even so, he's because still... Because he's allegedly put on some weight. Right, that's I mean, he, another he, thing. He didn't perform at the combine, did he? Because he got kind of no, yanked didn't. out of there due to charges being filed over the car wreck. Right, and I'm not 100% sure he had a full participation in his pro day either down in Georgia. So he is dropping a little bit. I mean, there was rumors that he might be the number one overall pick before all of this stuff happened to him. But I still think his fall is not going to be something like into the mid-teens. It's going to be like number seven, number eight. Yeah, but then it's it's a short fall to number nine. Right. So, so I mean, I mean, and obviously, one thing I can't get people to understand too, Tom, is that if the Steelers make that trade, they make it after the eighth pick. Right. And not till then, because you have to know the guy you want is there. Now, if the guy they want is Paris Johnson Jr., does he make their offensive line good enough in how quickly? I think eventually he will make the offensive line good enough because he's got that alpha potential and they need that alpha, especially at that tackle position. But I wouldn't bet on it happening in 2023. I bet it'll be a better offensive line. It's already a deeper offensive line even before the draft. They're going to get injured, so they're going to have to rely on that depth. Last year, it was a crappy offensive line that had a lot of never got injured, yeah. Because nobody got hurt, and some guys played above their heads. But, but you know, if, if they think Mason Cole's a starting center on a good team, they're wrong. That's it, and that's why I think it's more than just a one-year offseason turnaround for this offensive line. It's, it's going to be 2024, 2025 before you start seeing some dividends get paid. But... I think Paris Johnson Jr. would be the right first, well, not the first step because they've already taken the first step, but another right step in the direction of becoming an above-average line. I think right now it's still no better than an average line, even with the improvements they have made. Before they draft a potentially Paris yes, Johnson yes, Jr. Yes. After, would you say it's trending well, got, in that they direction? Got, they got all those, all, all the guys that Weidel used to have in Philadelphia. That's true. I mean, but, but I'm not sure how... I, I'm always skeptical when I hear that this guard's going to make a big difference because he's a guard. Siamolo? Well, any of them, any guard. If he if he's so good, how come he's a guard? Right, and it's pretty easy to play guard in Philadelphia when you're surrounded by Lane Johnson and Travis or and Jason Kelsey. Makes it easy. Th- those guys can definitely help out players along that offensive line when you have two elite players like that. So yeah, I do worry about him kind of coming in, but I think he's an improvement from Dotson, and that's a step oh, in the right my direction. God, of course, no, no, no. I, I, I think everything they've done in free agency has helped improve the team. I just question how much any guard improves any team. I mean, look at James Daniels. 
who suddenly we're not talking about like he's that good anymore. Like like that they could move they forgot him to about center him, yeah. or or trade him. I mean, you hear weird things and uh but you know what? I'd have no problem moving one of these guys to center. I have no faith in Mason Cole. No, I think Mason Cole, and I wouldn't have a problem with them addressing center in this draft class either, maybe in a middle round. Not to say that you get a guy in the third or fourth round and you're like, oh, he should start over Mason Cole. We've tried that experiment before in Pittsburgh, middle round talents at the line position and just throwing them into starter spots. But maybe you could find some competition and maybe he pans out in the long term. But you're right. They got to deal with tackle, and then I think after tackle, it it comes down to the center position. Mason Cole's just not going to hack it. So I think the Steelers are, are are iffy to make the playoffs. I would I would err on the side of guessing they don't, and I think they're nowhere close to winning a playoff game. I think their ceiling next year is ten wins. I think uh, their I best think is ten high. and seven. I think that's high. I mean, they just went nine and eight last year. I I I think they overachieved. Okay, fair enough. But I think they can get to ten wins at their max, which is still not a guarantee that you get into the playoffs. You got a good shot with there being seven teams. But All that gets you is killed by Mahomes. Exactly, because that's we've talked about that so many times. If you don't get that top wild card or win your division, you're pretty much one and done for the foreseeable future. Even if you get the top wild card, like like my my best guess is if you got the top wild card, you'd play Trevor Lawrence. You play and Jacksonville probably, and probably get beat. You might not get killed. You can talk yourself but in. But you might get killed. <laughs> right right now, you can talk yourself into beating Trevor Lawrence. He's not quite there yet where it's like the I, Death I, Star. I can't talk myself into Kenny Pickett beating Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> well, Jalen Carter in the defense, Mark. We're steel curtain defense. Uh, okay, let's go to five guys. What do you got? All right, today's five guys are betrayals. Betrayals in movies. I already think you're going to hate my number five, but I had to put it on there. It's from my childhood. Scar from The Lion King. Such a famous betrayal. Letting Mufasa die. You are aware of Scar and Mufasa, even though you've probably never no, seen The Lion no, King. No, I am not. They, let it, they, they had a betrayal that resulted in death in a kid's cartoon? Yeah, well, the movie is based off of Hamlet. So the brother kills the king to ascend to the throne. I'm familiar with the Rainbow Song, voiced by Ronnie James Dio, Kill the King. Is that relevant in any way? Yeah, it's very relevant. Okay, what's number, number four Number four is Dudley Smith, played by James Cromwell in L.A. Confidential. The whole time, he's just pulling the strings for Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, and Kevin never Spacey. Saw it. You never saw it like Confidential? Unbelievable, right? It's a really good movie. It's one that you'll see. If you ever go forth and watch it, you'll think to yourself, how did it take me this long to watch this? It's such a great movie. I believe it's loosely based on the Rainbow Song All Night Long, voiced by Graham Bonnet. So, you're, okay, I give that a thumbs good. up Good, you're as picking well. up the hidden theme that I put in here. Number three, Colin Sullivan in The Departed. Now, The Departed... You, you, you couldn't name Rainbow's guitarist, I'm guessing, could you? No, not a chance. Richie Blackmore. We celebrated his birthday on the show. Uh, the I should day. have been okay. paying attention. Colin Sullivan, I'll, that, that's thumbs up, big time. That's a great movie. There's so many betrayals in that movie, first of all. But he takes the cake. He kills Costello. Then the guy who kills Leonardo DiCaprio... Well, now, hold it. Did he betray Costello by killing him? Because Costello had pulled a gun on him just there. He betrayed Costello also after he noticed Costello was giving information to the police, too. So he was kind of betrayed by Costello to the FBI as an informant. So there's both betrayals there. I thought that was tit for tat. I thought they betrayed each other. Well, he certainly betrayed the guy who killed Leonardo DiCaprio's character in mere seconds after he executed Leonardo DiCaprio and saved Matt Damon's life. I don't blame him. Loose ends. Exactly. And that's all he was trying to do at the end of the movie and then at the 11th hour. And don't forget, Colin Sullivan was raised to betray. He he became a uh, a a Costello uh, crony when he was like uh, like right. nine or ten years he old. He basically right? adopted him, Costello. Right, exactly. And then number two, I have Mister Orange from Reservoir Dogs. He's a cop the entire time. Well, now hold it. Is that betrayal or is that? That's a tough one. 
Because he, I get what you're saying, because he's an undercover you know cop. I'm going to call it betrayal because at the end he confessed. He does, and if, also the if way... If he didn't betray, why'd he confess? And Harvey Keitel, as Mr. White, just getting on his soapbox and passionately defending him and saying that he's not a cop, he's not a cop. <laughs> at the end, when he's dying in his hand, I am a cop. Like, that's pretty betrayed. What was his name? Lenny? Larry? Larry. 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 I'm a cop, Larry. I'm a cop. <laughs> Great movie, anyway, though Reservoir Dogs. It had slow parts. Yeah, but, but every Tarantino movie does. And the uh, scene where Mr. Blonde, Michael Madsen, is interrogating the police officer, brutal. When he cuts off his ear and he's going to start lighting him on fire before he gets shot by Mr. Orange. When he holds up his ear and goes, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> Michael Madsen, guest of the show before your time. Oh yeah. wow! I wish I could have been there he for was that. Brilliant. I bet he was. All right, number one. I bet you can guess who number one is. I thought I thought that was number three. Oh no, no. Okay, I. Uh, go ahead. Fredo, Godfather Part Two. It has to be. Has to be right. Took sides against the family. You never do that, Fredo. Now, now I didn't understand why Michael kissed him on New Year's Eve in Cuba and told him he knew, but then let him walk. Probably. I mean, it's hard to kill your brother, right? I mean, I know he betrayed you, but you got to feel like there's a human element to it where Michael knows what he has to do, but you can't quite pull that trigger. No, there didn't turn out to be much of a human element later in the movie when it comes to Fredo <laughs> Took him out of the boat. Pretty much everybody else either. Yeah, so. So, yeah, that's the number one betrayal. But but the 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 prior two were close. The the only reason that Fredo's number one is because it's clearly betrayal, and it's blood too. I think that makes it extra dirty. Like it's your own flesh and blood doing it too. Although you couldn't blame him because he only wanted something for himself. I'm smart too. Now you don't like the movie The Matrix, right? You never saw The Matrix. Never saw it. Yeah, okay. Because there's a huge betrayal in that, but I left it, it off. It is the amazing list. how many movies I haven't seen. I know, and of course, no Star Wars, yeah. no Indiana Jones. Big betrayal in Star Wars too that no I left Star off the Trek. list. Would you count Cal Naughton Jr. in Talladega Nights as a betrayal for stealing Ricky Bobby's wife? Although I'm pretty, he's pretty sure that every time he had sex with Carly, she was unconscious. Yeah, and it was like a tractor beam of hotness. I don't, I don't necessarily blame him for that. And then he redeemed himself at the end, anyway. So he's got the redemption arc, and they're best friends again. Yeah, which shows how shallow really both of them are, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, uh, now now let's uh, let's talk a, a little bit about the Penguins and their situation. Oh, first off, you know what time of year it is, by the way? Uh, it's the time for people like the like the Spit and Chicklets guys to predict that Sid's going to get traded. So we can all panic. Mm. Like they were saying, Sid to Colorado. Is that the popular destination this time around, too? It was last time around. To pair him with Nate McKinnon? Yeah. It, it's it's like, I mean, I know him and Nate are friends. I'm not sure they're lovers. And and that's, you know, kind of that, that they have to play together at some point is being projected. And I'm not ruling it out, but I am ruling it out this year. Sid's not going to leave after one bad year. And they won't let him leave after one bad year. It's just so funny how they just desperately want those two to get together, like you're saying, like they're lovers almost, and it's destined. Like, they need each other to help win cups. Like, Sid's won his cups, and Nate's in the midst of winning his. Like, they don't need each other to do that. It, it's voyeurism, pure and simple. Yeah, so it's stupid, and it's not going to be the only time, or the only team, excuse me, that I think you see the Sid trade rumors get drummed up to, especially if the Penguins continue this kind of current well, trend that they're it's, on. It's what I hate about about sports talk radio is when people just try to stir it up by saying stuff they know isn't going to happen. Especially this time of year. Like, what do you need to stir up right now if you do a primarily hockey podcast? You're in the midst of the cup playoffs. Well, but they, they want it to happen. Desperately. Yeah, they, Voyeurism, they like do. you said. They, it is. They, they want it to happen. Now, uh, who's your pick for Penguins GM? 
I think Kyle Dubas would be amazing, but I do agree with you that it's probably far-fetched to think that that would happen. You said at the beginning of this podcast that he's trying to leverage some money, and you're probably right. The only thing that could weigh in the Penguins' favor, even if he is trying to leverage, is if the Tampa would like beat him in four or five. Yeah, make quick work of them. Yeah. And then they might just say, we're done with you. We're going to go separate ways. Then they'd almost have to. Right. But do you think he could also be leveraging maybe more of a power position in Toronto with what is being said about the Penguins' job and how he would have complete and total control? Because that's pretty much the main thing that you said he's struggled with in Toronto, well, right? Like, is like Brendan Shanahan he has to answer to people. compromised his vision like, you know, like, hey, Doobie, I know it's bad for analytics, but we got to get Wayne Simmons because we right. need toughness. Right, exactly. So he wants to get away from that. I would think so, yes. Do you think that he could potentially get that? Could could he get the hockey ops if job would, in Toronto? If, he would, if, he would, if Doobie would come here, he'd be in charge, period. Right. Do you think he could use that to leverage it in Toronto, though? Or do you think Shanahan's there no matter what? He's got to just suck it up and work for I him. think if they win a round or two, he could do that. Then he's got the leverage. But I think that that's what it requires. The uh, Darsh guy. Is he someone that you could see stepping into a room and being the boss of Solly and Sid? He has the best... He has the best chance out of what I would call the below-the-line guys. Right. Not the Dubosses, not the Bowmans. What's the guy's name at Calgary? He just got fired. Treveling? I'm not or, sure. Yeah, if I can't pronounce your name, you're probably not a good choice. But, but yeah, I mean, I could see them looking at him, too. I. But I couldn't agree with you more on the fact that they got to come in and be able to be the boss. They got... And not just, you know... Uh, someone who's getting their first shot can go in and be like, I'm going to be the man. I'm going to tell Sid and Solly what's up. But like Solly and Sid have to believe it on their end as well. Are you ruling out them hiring a woman? No, I'm not. I, I Let me make a guarantee. I guarantee a woman will be part of the hockey ops staff. I guarantee it. And I, they'll probably be what, like a trio of finalists that they'll probably announce that they're interviewing? I bet a woman is one of I, those. I bet they hire three or four people for hockey ops. Probably. It's going to be very analytics driven. Look, I'm fine if a woman gets hired for hockey ops if she's qualified for hockey ops. I just don't think that there's a woman right now who has the track record who could get her first GM crack with this situation in Pittsburgh and be the boss of Sullivan and be the boss of Sid. For 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 like a Cami Granado, for that matter, you know, a, a lower level analytics guy like people talk about Sam Ventura, who's yes. with Buffalo, used to be with the Penguins. They would have to be with a rock bottom team because they would need to go someplace where they don't have to walk in to a coach with two rings and a captain with three rings and be the boss. Yeah, you want a bunch of kids. You want to walk into a room with a bunch of kids. Maybe you have a, a young first round draft pick who's just starting to crack into the NHL that you can build around. That's the kind of situation for for a lot of the women candidates that we're seeing put up for a GM and probably deserving of a GM shot, but just not here in Pittsburgh, not in this situation. Yeah, I'm not saying that we shouldn't hire, you know, Granado, Mandricki, Wickenheiser, whoever, because they're women. I'm just saying they're right. underqualified for the job at hand. You think Mike Sullivan will be the coach one year from now? I do because I kind of think they're going to sneak into the playoffs next year. For really? I, I don't know why I think that. I just what feel if like... they miss the playoffs. Sully out. Yeah, probably. I think he'd have to be out at that point. You know, coaches in hockey. I don't have to tell you this. Don't have the longest shelf life to begin with. Oh, really? I never <laughs> so noticed that. It's very weird that Sully's already at this point. He's kind of already reached his expiration. Well, he's going to adjust the way he coaches. He's turning into Dan Bosman. That said. I was listening to a, a, a hockey show today, and they were saying that every team in the league plays fast. And if you can't play fast, you're not going to have success. Well, okay, then why do we get Jeff Carter <laughs> and, and, and Jeff Petrie and uh, John Rada? I mean, there's more than one way to play hockey, okay? Because if, if the only way you can win is to have the fastest guys, that knocks a lot of teams out of contention just based on looking at their roster. 
And don't you think that if the league is going in that direction where everybody's fast, you got to be fast, all the teams in the league are fast, there's an area for a team to kind of zig and be a defensively sound team and kind of slow the game down and and get a lot of points and, and stack up wins by playing a different style than teams are used to seeing night in and night out. Like, I feel like leagues always do that thing where they trend in one direction and then one team kind of goes, well, wait a minute, I can... Do. Penguins did that exactly, Penguins and then they changed to going pure speed. Pure speed. So I feel like you know the pendulum always swings back, and you can always be a team that's a little bit ahead of that curve and try to play that style and kind of. And I'm not saying that that style beats your Edmontons or gets you into the Cup final, but it can get you a second wild card spot. Maybe it takes. Maybe it makes better use of the talent you have on hand. And I think you can beat a lot of inexperienced fast teams that way for sure. We can stress the speed forecheck all we want. Jeff Carter's not getting in there on the four-check card. He's just not. I'm not sure Granny is either. And you've said it a thousand times. He he doesn't want to play this way, but Sid would just thrive in a system like that, right? I mean, in a defensively sound system. Sid would system. thrive in any system, but yes. And it would help him age gracefully, I think. I think he's doing pretty good at that <laughs> right now. That's uh, true. Do you keep Jari? No, Jari's got to go. There's just too much stink on Jari. I bet they keep him. Maybe because they have to. But they don't have to. There's just so much. Well, who else are you going to get is what everybody keeps saying. Varlamov. Uh, Corpusalo, Halak. I mean, don't forget, you're not looking for the young goalie that's going to carry your franchise for 10 years. You're looking for a guy who can play in front of a bunch of old dudes that give him a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, just the bridge guy. They have, what, one goalie prospect that's worth a damn who's like three or four years away, right? And there's Something like that. It's a great name. Great name Clang, for a goalie. Clang. We'll be hitting the post all day long against him. But yeah, you just need a bridge guy until you see if he's actually someone who could play in the NHL. So why not just go out and get some veterans? But with Jari, it's just... Every time you look at him, it's just a bad memory after bad memory after and, bad and memory. It's excuses and injuries, but he won't tell us what. Will surgery help? No. Well, then what is yeah. it? Can't tell you. Um, what about Dumoulin? Do they keep Dumoulin? I think that he's got a chance to stay because he's got two rings in his back pocket and he's one of the locker room guys. He's got a better chance than Jari, I think, in my eyes. You know, part of me would not have a problem with keeping Dumoulin. Part of me thinks you got to move on sooner or later, but I'm not sure they, they're going to. What if you kept Dumoulin and then made him like your seventh defenseman? The guy who's not always dressed if the team's healthy. Uh, what are you going to pay him? Like a million. He's going to get more than He's, that. Okay, well then let him walk for more than that. And then you say to the guys in the locker room, listen, I gave him a chance to stay, take a discount and stay with his buddies. He wanted to go get paid and more power to him, but that's business. This team will have turned a corner in terms of management when it no longer feels it has to explain to the locker room. Uh, can they possibly get rid of Granlin, Petrie, Carter, or Rada? Through trades or buyouts? Anyway. Buyouts, I think for sure, is your best bet for a guy like Granlund. I bet they use one buyout and it's Granlund. It has to be. Who's going to pick Granlund? You up? can't bring him back after what happened. Like Na- Nashville was probably dancing in the front office when they traded Granlund. Well, you know, to it's not like this is his first bad year. He has right. top thirteen goals dating back like four or five years. Like Nashville was in a playoff race till the very end of the season for a wild card spot in the West, and they just dumped this guy that's worth five million dollars. They were ecstatic to get him off of their books. You're not going to get lucky again and find another sucker team to take him off of your books. You're going to have to buy him out. Okay, let's go to good cop, bad cop. Good cop, bad cop today are chips. My good cop. Chips? Yes. Like potato? Like, well, any kind of chip. Frito? Like a chip snack. Well, Fritos, Fritos actually my bad cop. Okay, I'm go not, ahead. I'm not a big Fritos fan. Do you like Fritos? Well, let's go with bad cop first. Fritos. Okay, here's what I don't like about Fritos. I'm not. I'm good. Not, I'm glad you're on my side. I'm not. Uh, I'm not anti, but here's why they're not my pre- anywhere near my preferred chip. 
One is bad aftermath. Yes. You're covered in Frito. It's similar to Cheetos. Like, I never eat Cheetos because of the aftermath. You're, like, covered in that dust. It's everywhere. Fritos, you get kind of that Frito on you. Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah. And also, you can't dip Fritos in anything. The Frito good point. is what it is. I don't mind they have, like, hot Fritos. Like, uh, Yeah, they have different variations. Of the Fritos, like, that's kind of the equivalent of Fritos and salsa. In a way, but I, I just, I, don't, I think Fritos are too messy and not versatile enough. Yeah, and I think they're just too blah. Like, I just, I, I don't ever find myself craving a Frito. Cheetos Puffs are my good cop. I'm not a Cheetos no, original no, fan. you lost your mind. Why don't you like Cheetos Puffs? Because, because of the dust? Because you're covered in Cheeto. Right, but, okay, fine, I'm not going to sway you then. I mean, you don't like cheese dust on your fingers. You don't like sucking your fingers after the no, getting God, a good no. taste off God, of them? No. What? Oh, come on. No, it's the that, best. So that, you hate Doritos, too? Doritos don't have... Oh, you're covered with cheese dust No, not to Doritos. the same degree. Mm. No, uh, Cheetos worst, Fritos second worst, Doritos a distant third. Okay, so you don't like Doritos. And I'm not the biggest fan of Doritos either. Well, who's your good cop then? Who would be your go-to chip of choice? Well, you see, I always eat chips with salsa. I think that counts. So, so like, I like the Tostitos scoops. Scoops are the best. But then again, they're not they're not really, you know, that, that delectable without the salsa or without the queso. Um... As a standalone chip, see, I, I don't like every chip I like in moderation because, like, salt and vinegar. Love it. Uh, uh, sour cream and onion. Uh, there's one more. God, what's the other kind of, you know, but. but, but like all, a cheddar kind of chip? Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but all those, like, if you eat more than a couple of them, the taste becomes overbearing. I agree. It's salt and vinegar. I'm probably my fault because I have such chapped lips. Barbecue. Barbecue. Barbecue's what I was great. Of. But salt and vinegar just burn my lips, too, after a while. Like, like the gecko in that, yeah, in that Wings commercial. Exactly. That's a great commercial. It's a great commercial. Um, so as a standalone chip, if I have salsa, it's definitely Tostito Scoops. With a scoop, yeah. As a standalone chip, I'm going with Ott's regular chip. That's regular. No yep. dip at all, too? Like, Or would you dip those? But then, but then we're back into the Tostitos category yes you're right my favorite dip is sour cream and onion but that gets again that gets overbearing too 100 percent. it's all good in moderation I think. every chip must be eaten in moderation with or without you know a condiment should be in the gospel now um in the time we have left what did you make of the jalen hurts deal and if i can quote every single person on every espn outlet in the immediate aftermath how does this affect lamar well, I think it affects Lamar in the adverse, and I wonder, Lamar seems to be driven on ego alone when it comes to his it's negotiations, vanity, yep. so he already wants as much guaranteed money as Deshaun Watson. Is he now going to want the average annual value to be $1 more than Jalen Hurts now, too, because he had set the record in that department? Or does he think that Jalen Hurts made a bad deal because he didn't get the $230 million guaranteed like Watson? And Lewis Riddick, and I think Lewis Riddick's a good football man, he's embarrassing himself carrying the water for Lamar which he is doing insistently, without remorse, and nonstop. He was saying that maybe Lamar wants to uh, wait to see what Joe Burrow gets and then raise his bar okay. accordingly. Lamar Jackson not, might not be one of the top ten quarterbacks in football, and he's definitely not close to the top five. And I think this highlights, too, just how bad it is for him to not have an agent on his side negotiating with teams. Well, like like Jalen Hurts' agent got 3% I know. of $255 million. Lamar Jackson's still getting 100% of nothing. And worked out a beautiful deal for Jalen Hurts and a reasonable deal because she was probably in his ear the whole time saying, listen, 
You ain't getting the guaranteed money that Deshaun was Watson got. Was it a she? Got. Yeah. Really? We should hire her for Penguins GM. <laughs> You're not getting the guaranteed money that Deshaun Watson got. You have to be realistic about this. But I can get you other things. I can get you the record for average annual value. We can do that. Why it, do you have to get the record? Because you know these guys, Mark. They want to be the best. Who? Even though, by the way, those records are the shortest-lived records ever. They, can, they get past every second the next guy signs. Who can you name off the top of your head that's a better quarterback than Lamar? Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, Lawrence, Herbert, Hurts. That that's for sure. Rogers. I'd probably still put Rogers up there. I'd probably still put. I'd probably put Tua um, based, based on recent performance. I know he was hurt last year, and it was the Ben injury, so you got to wait and see. But Stafford's probably still someone I would take a chance on for not, one not season. Not over Jackson, no. Not yet. I, hey, he just won a Super Bowl two years ago. Ben though. didn't even play last year. I'd put him over Lamar, but not Stafford. No, <laughs> no. San Francisco wanted Ben. They didn't want Stafford. <laughs> didn't want Lamar either. Don't want Lamar. That's Tom Offer, but I'm Mark Madden. Thank you for listening to the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.